Okay. Thank you so much, Cammy, for joining us um, on the Balanced Feminine Podcast. So excited to have you with us. Um, do you want to just go ahead and introduce yourself? Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Katie, for having me. Um, my name is Cammy Wolf. I am the founder of the Canis Shift. I have a wellness company based out of Washington, D.C. We help people get healthy in a variety of different ways through nutrition mindfulness, movement. Um, we invite people to be their own, their own healer. So we provide the tools and education and we allow people to, we invite people to unfold the journey in their own way. Amazing. Well, thank you for sharing. So we really wanted to bring you on because, so I told Maddie about you and I'm like this, we need to bring her on. She's incredible. <laughs> so I'm kind of bummed that Maddie's not here because I feel like you two would just hit it off, but I will fill her in on everything, obviously. But I just kind of want to talk to you about today, like your, you know, share your story with health and how you've gotten to where you are. And I mean, our podcast is essentially about find, helping women find balance in mm. this overwhelming health world that we found ourselves in. It feels like every day there's a new diet trend or, you know, some type of product to take. So we just want to kind of make it more accessible for the everyday woman. And, um, you know, where can you start on your health journey and simple steps you can take? Um, but it would be really amazing if we could just hear your story and how you got to where you are. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I think, you know, a big, a big focus of the Canis shift is making wellness more accessible. So, so happy you guys are talking about that because I think it's so important. There's so much overwhelming, um, noise, right. In the wellness industry and some of it's great noise and some of it's you know, overwhelming to the nervous system. So I love that you're making things more accessible. Um, my health journey started, um, very young. I would say my mother was diagnosed with bone cancer when I was six months old. Um, she had her leg amputated above the knee at six months old. And that obviously really affected her life. And thus my life and my brother's life and my father's life. Um, that's when she started kind of getting into food as medicine, but she was more into like taking supplements because that's that was kind of like her her gateway into finding health. And it wasn't really until she was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was eight that she decided she was gonna go on a whole foods plant-based diet. Uh, she did conventional treatment as well, but um, she's been cancer free for almost 20 years and she attributes that to her lifestyle and her diet change. Um, so growing up, I was kind of introduced to a variety of different health modalities. You know, she was seeing, uh, acupuncturist and functional medicine doctors. And, um, you know, I ate primarily a plant-based diet, but I started to, um, kind of come into some of my own health challenges when I was in college. And that I think was mainly because I was, you know, just staying up way too late, partying all the time, um, you know, not eating as well as I had at, at one point in my life. And it kind of all came crashing down my soft, my junior year of college. I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder. 
I had to take a semester off of college and kind of focus on my health. Um, and during that time, I took a, um, a six-month-long cooking program, a, a culinary nutrition program at a place called the Natural Gourmet Institute in New York City. And so that was my first foray into um, kind of developing my own way of doing things rather than the way my mother did them. And so that led me on my own healing journey. Um, so I would say my introduction was food, changing my diet. And from there, I found uh, meditation and mindfulness. I found health supportive movement. I found intuitives and spirituality and really, um, you know, took my own path and, and, you know, went through some health challenges. And today, you know, 10, 12 years later, I feel the best I've ever felt in my life, but that took me a very, very long time to get here. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing all that. So I like, I already have so many things I want to ask you. So, okay. So in terms of your mom, I mean, that's an incredible story. And I know that you've shared that with me before. And I feel like one of the things that definitely Maddie and I have talked about is, you know, we work in the wellness field and obviously you do. And, you know, you kind of, I feel like we've found ourselves in this place where it's one way or the other. And one of the things we were talking about, about like wanting to share this podcast was because we want it to be about balance is finding a balance between it doesn't have to be like that. Like with East, it can be Eastern and Western mixed in. And I'm just curious, like, what is your perspective on that? I mean, you've seen like your mom, you said she did both and it healed her. And, um, I'm just curious, like, what are your thoughts around that? Yeah. So I think it's, I have a, a few thoughts in that, um, area. And one is you are always going to be your biggest advocate you know your body best and getting a series of blood tests run and getting your hormone levels tested and using Western medicine to kind of help identify what you're going through can be really helpful for some people. Um, you know, I tell people if they can afford testing to figure out what is wrong with them, then absolutely go that route. Yeah. But if you can't afford it, maybe you don't have health insurance. I, I believe you can heal yourself without knowing exactly what you have going on. And of course that is, um, going to depend on what's, what is going on, right? If you have cancer, of course, absolutely go to the doctor. If you're suffering from some digestive issues, there's a lot of dietary modifications that you could start with. And then, you know, things still aren't clearing up. It's always nice to get some tests run to see what's going on. But I really think it's a personal decision, right? Mm -hmm. And if your experience with Western medicine has been a positive one, absolutely continue to, you know, find the model that works for, for you. If you've exhausted the Western medical system, then there are so many alternative modalities available to you. And, you know, I've, I've found um, help in both of them. And I will say that I've had to be my own advocate for most of my health journey. I've been, I've had access to amazing functional medicine doctors that really did help me. 
And I will say some of the biggest shifts I've made were, um, we're, we're out of the hands of, uh, out of the hands of Western medicine and more in the, um, you know, uh, Eastern medicine, um, side of things. So, yeah, I really think it's a personal decision and it's kind of one of those that you have to check in with your gut, check in with your intuition and see what's going to be best for you. And, you know, a combo is always a great approach. Right. Yeah. I love that. Cause I feel like for a while for me, I got so stuck on, you know, a Western medicine is bad. Like you, I only believe in this one way. And like you were saying about, you know, being able to, if you can afford food testing and that's a really great way of helping figure out what's going on. And I did that. And there was all these things that came up for me on my test. And I was like, okay, so this has made things a lot more clear and and like a little bit more easier. So I think there is really just a balance between all of the two. Yeah, there, there is. And what I noticed too, is depending on what type of person you are and, um, you know, how you react to knowing what is wrong with you can differ, like, right. Some people really will over identify with what they have going on and it can make them a little bit obsessive. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also do find out that when you have something wrong with you, it makes your nervous system overreactive at first. So for me, when I was first diagnosed with all these issues, I was constantly in a fit of anxiety. I was just looping all these negative thoughts of like, oh my God, I'm sick. Oh my God, this is wrong with me. Oh my God, oh my God. And my nervous system just got so overwhelmed that finding mindfulness and finding meditation really changed my relationship with my, you know, disease, right? So now like I don't really ever think about the things that I have wrong with me. I really look to, oh, you know, um, how can I help myself today? Right. And that's not spiritual bypassing my way through illness, right? Like I've done, I've dealt with a lot of the emotions around, you know, having a disease and really felt into um, you know, those feelings, but I will say it's really powerful to kind of move beyond the identity of a sick person. But I will also say that comes with time. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think that's really beautiful. I think we get really, I mean, even just like from my experience, like you were saying, I, you know, you get so focused on, okay, I need to figure out what's going on. And that's, I felt that a little while ago and I could feel my adrenals were drained. I was just so tired all the time. And then when I started to kind of make a shift or I was like, okay, I need to stop focusing so much on figuring out what's wrong and just trying to feel better day to day. I've definitely felt like more, like I've had more energy. So I, I love that. I think that's a really beautiful perspective. Yeah. And also remembering that when you are super, super rigid, mm-hmm. it's like you can't heal in the same environment that you got sick in. So for me, um, I got sick because I was really, really rigid. I was pushing myself way too hard. So if you then put the perfection into your diet, well, that's the same for me. That was the same environment that I made myself sick in. So actually being more loose with things I was eating and finding more joy in other areas of my life was a huge component of my healing. I love that because I think 
so many people in this world get so obsessive and we, we hyper-focus on things. And I've noticed that the, what you like exactly what you were saying, like the less rigid, the almost the easier it is to heal. I've seen the less I'm like, okay, I need to work out today. I need to do this. I need to do this. I'll find that I sleep better that night when I'm just like more, it's like more organic. I'm like, Oh, I feel like I, I, my body could, I could work out or, you know, I really want to eat well or, but I also want to enjoy maybe a slice of pizza or something. I don't know. But I feel like recently, the more I've been allowing myself to be less rigid I've felt my energy and my health overall improve. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. It's so important to, you know, the mind can run the nervous system and the body heals when it's in a parasympathetic state, right? When you're in a state of relaxation. And so when the mind is creating that fight or flight response, that release of adrenaline in the body, well, that's still keeping you uh, in a state that's hard to heal in. So totally relaxing around food. And of course, there may be a period of time where you do need to be a little more careful with what you eat, depending on, you know, what you're going through. Um, but there's so many ways to calm the mind that can support healing in the body. Yeah. I love that. And I, I really want to ask you about, you mentioned, um, before I forget this about cooking, you went to cooking school. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I mean, food, I'm like obsessed with it. So I want to hear your experience with what it was like and how that connected you to your healing process and like what your relationship with food is like after that. Yeah. So this was in 2011. My, um, one of my best friends from high school and I took a semester off and went to the six month long chef's training program in New York City. And so my dad at the time was working part-time, uh, commuting from Maine to New York City. So he had an extra bedroom that my friend and I stayed in. And so every day we would get up and go to cooking school for eight hours. It was like a 500-hour program um, that was focused on introducing health-supportive cooking um, you know, so a lot of people who wanted to be private chefs, who wanted to start their own wellness business, who wanted to start their own consumer packaged goods products or consumer packaged or yeah, CPR, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They, who wanted yeah, to start yeah. a brand would go there, right? So um, it was essentially a boot camp and like learning how to cook. And it was so incredible. It was such a fun experience. Um, and at the same time, I was learning how to, how to essentially heal myself because prior to that, I had been diagnosed with heavy metal toxicity, an autoimmune disorder, viruses, a bacteria, um, you know, IBS, acne, like you name it, like it was freaking wrong with me. And so I was kind of trying to figure out like, okay, well, I'm in this cooking school that's teaching me how to like heal myself. And you know, what am I going to do with this? Right. I was also just kind of concerned about, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to go back to college and finish my degree. And what am I going to do with this afterwards? I didn't really know, but I had a feeling that it was going to be, um, some sort of pillar in my journey. And after graduating from cooking school, I had a cooking internship at a restaurant called Pure Food and Wine in New York city, which was one of New York city's top gourmet raw restaurants, which, you know, at the time was 
such a beautiful little restaurant. It doesn't exist anymore, but um, I got to do that for the summer. And then I went back to school and I started a blog. And so I started blogging and cooking and was just immersing myself in cooking every day. But I will say like you learn the basics at cooking school, but you actually don't learn until you go and cook continuously for, you know, I would say like, you know, I ended up going working for a meal delivery service based out of New York city. And I was cooking and developing recipes there. And then, you know, left that and went to, and started my own company and was doing meal delivery as a part of my business when I first started just to make some extra money. And, you know, you get better at things when you do it for, you know, like Malcolm Gladwell says 10,000 hours. Like after I cooked for that long, I got really good at it. And now, you know, I create recipes for my cleanses and for my clients. And I have, you know, over a hundred recipes that people get when they work with me. And it's so much fun. And I really believe that healthy food, it's, yes, it's healthy, but it really just tastes good. And that's what I want to show the world is that food tastes good when you buy fresh food, when you, you know, I, I don't really market my food as healthy. I just market it as really good food. And so, um, you know, that's my kind of invitation to the world is just to be open to different flavors, fresh foods, and, you know, something that may be quote unquote healthy. Um, that just tastes really good. Yeah. I was just thinking about this because I should have, I totally forgot to say this, but, um, to everyone, I did an internship with Cami um, in Washington. <laughs> and it's so funny because that is where I learned. I was like, wait, I can make, I can make really amazing, healthy foods just from scratch from home. And I remember you taught me how to make the coconut probiotic yogurt. Yeah. I have so many people being like, I never knew how, like, I can't even believe I've never knew, known how to make it. I'm like, it's so easy. And I, I think that's one of the most powerful things i would love for people to realize is that like you can eat well and yes, like there is a sense of privilege to it, but by getting more in touch with food, I feel like you really can learn to how to make, like how to make these things on a budget. And I've saved so much money from just knowing how to make my own yogurt. Um, and like, you've taught me so many amazing recipes. So I, I love that. I, you know, healthy food doesn't have to taste bad. I think when people get more in touch with it, they realize, oh wait, I can make this and it doesn't have to be super expensive. Totally. And, and people also have to remember like, where are you spending your money? Right. So one eating healthy to, to a degree is a very privileged thing. Right. And mm -hmm you know, what are you deciding to spend your money on? So are you getting Uber Eats? Are you going out and partying? Are you um, spending money on clothes? Are you, or are you going to Trader Joe's planning out your week and, you know, eating on a budget? Like you can still eat healthy on a budget. Absolutely. Right. right. Um, and I think that's, you know, I, I know I save a lot of money when I eat at home. I saved $10,000 during the pandemic um, by eating all my food at home. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. I, mean, I was, I never knew that was possible until <laughs> that happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, I mean, that's one of the things that going to the health world too is definitely, you know, a hurdle because people, a lot of people have 
something to say about, oh, it's just a privilege, you know, it's very privileged. You get to eat that way. But the reality of the situation is, is like, that's a lot of what, that is what I choose to spend my money on because it took me so much time to start feeling better. And it was through food that that just became a deal breaker for me. I was like, I'm not, I would rather not shop for clothes. I would rather spend my money on healthy food so that I feel good every day. Uh, Absolutely. And also like, you don't need fancy powders and different things. Like the, one of the most effective things people can do is have half of a lemon in 16 ounces of water every day. Right. Like I'm always telling people, you know, start small, start with a few modifications, a few changes and consistency over time is what, what creates change. And so it doesn't have to be all at once, right? If you're having your lemon water in the morning and maybe adding a couple servings of extra greens during the day, that's not going to break your budget and it's going to make a huge contribution to your health. Right. Right. That's, I love that. I think that's just, you know, a really great point. And that's kind of what Maddie and I really want to teach people is like little tips like that. So like, I mean, and I also am curious, you live in Washington, you still live in DC, um, as far as I know, right? I'm not wrong. (laughs) So, and your experience of like living in New York City and DC, do you have like recommendations for you know, people that, I mean, you guys must have farmer's markets in the summertime or how does that, I'm just curious, how do you recommend eating well to people that may live in cities and may think it's not as accessible to them? Yeah. So, I mean, it depends where you live, right? In Northwest DC, we have lots of farmer's markets. Um, If you go to Southwest DC, you know, there is more poverty in Southwest DC. There's more food deserts in Southwest DC. And you know, we have some really good nonprofits changing that. You can now use, um, uh, like WIC, which is like similar to food stamps for, uh, at farmer's markets. Right. And so that's a really great thing that we have in, in DC. That's not in every major city. Um, but we have a lot of community gardens. Um, we have a lot of programs that have community gardens in places that aren't as, um, well off. And, you know, we, we have food kitchens that, you know, feed people who are experiencing poverty. And of course, like there's not always the best food there, but we have some, you know, DC central kitchen, you know, works with, um, some, a nonprofit in Southwest DC and is sending them fresh fruits and vegetables um, weekly to kids so they can bring them home to their families. And that's through a project called the good project, um, that I, I interviewed, um, Darius Baxter a couple weeks ago on my podcast. And that's an amazing resource we have in DC. You know, they're trying to end poverty in 500 families in Southwest DC by 2030, I believe. And, um, so it's accessible if you make it, um, something that you're, paying attention to, but also, you know, when you don't, you know, when your basic needs aren't met, um, you know, first you have to be safe, right? So if you're not safe, it's hard to focus on your health. So, you know, first things first is, is getting safe and then, you know, 
getting healthy, right? So it's not accessible to everyone. And if you do have the means in Washington, D.C., we have tons of farmers markets available. We have grocery stores on every single corner. And, you know, we're, we're really close to Pennsylvania. So we get a lot of our produce and uh, fresh local produce from, from Pennsylvania. And there's farmers markets on, you know, every Saturday and Sunday um, in D.C. Wow, that's amazing. But I mean, I am really curious to learn more about those companies that are doing, you know, those nonprofits that are doing such incredible stuff. I feel like that's going to be what helps change the food system, you know, and being able to help people that struggle financially have access to good food. We, that's such a huge part of changing everything. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I will say I work with some returning citizens, people who've been previously incarcerated. And, you know, one of my, my good friends, she eats really, she eats really well and she's on a budget and, you know, she's chooses to spend it on food and eating at home. And she does, you know, she's on a fixed budget and she still makes it work and she makes it work really well. So it is possible and the education needs to be there and it's not always there for people yet. Right. Exactly. I mean, that's one of the biggest things is, I, um, we spoke with, it was the, they're the ecology center. It's this amazing, um, regenerative agriculture farm out in California. And they, you know, we were just talking about how important it is to educate kids because that's the next generation. So like, you know, changing the idea of nutrition and teaching kids how to grow their own food. I I personally believe that's going to be a huge aspect in changing the world's health. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's so important kids, you know, when kids see things modeled from a young age, they're going to one, see the value in, in eating well. And also they're going to just, it's going to be a part of their, you know, just part of their makeup. Right. So I remember you gave me some of the best advice when I was interning with you, you were talking about how important taking care of your own energy is. And like when you work with a client that necessarily maybe doesn't necessarily like align or you feel like maybe doesn't want to do the work, like it's about protecting your energy because that at the end of the day is like one of the most utmost important things. And I'm just curious, I'd love to hear your perspective. And I mean, I know Maddie's going to be bummed that she missed this because I know she's as a practitioner has definitely struggled in, you know, okay, I feel like I'm exerting so much energy on this person and it's hard to get people to want to be healthy and change these habits. And I'm just curious if you have any advice for like new coaches, new practitioners about reserving their energy and finding clients that really like align with you and what you're doing. Yeah, I love this. It's such a good, um, it's such an important thing to remember. I would say the biggest thing with being um, a practitioner with help and with helping people is you have to, well, in my experience, helping yourself first is the most important part of helping other people. So if you, you know, um, if you have, if you are, if you haven't meditated, if you haven't, you know, moved your body, if you, you know, aren't, aren't eating things that make you feel good, it's hard to then help other people do that. And of course, 
you're going to have the client occasionally that is just experiencing a lot of resistance. What I see in my, what, what I've seen in my practice over the past four years is as I become more in more alignment with who I meant to be with my purpose, my clients are more and more in alignment or, or my clients are who I want to be working with. They're more and more in alignment. Right. So, um, that has also come with me learning how to set my own personal boundaries with also, um, saying no, if I don't think someone, um, is ready. Uh, I also set my prices so that people are, are really serious if they want to work with me. Um, I have offerings that are more accessible for people who just want to dip their toes in and kind of see what it's all about. But if I'm giving you my one-on-one time, mm-hmm. um, I ask people to commit to three months or six months because I can help people best when I'm in a container helping you for more than one session. And so kind of setting your boundaries, learning how to say no, cleaning your own energy, right? Like taking an Epsom salt bath at the end of the day, right? Because, you know, when you are working so closely with people, you know, you may feel um, like you've taken on a little bit of their energy and you'll get better with that over time. Um, But Epsom salt baths, using sage and Palo Santo to clean your space, grounding, you know, putting your feet into the floor as you're, uh, you know, when you're working with people, And also, um, I would say, yeah, like if you feel like someone isn't wanting to be in a session, like pausing for a moment and just asking them like, Hey, like, is everything okay? Like, do you, do you want to be here? Like, you know, because you can have an open dialogue with people and most of the time it's like, yeah, I do want to be here and I'm experiencing X, Y, Z, and it's really making me feel resistant to moving through this, right? And a lot of what I do with people is looking at their patterns, looking at their behaviors, um, reading into their energetic field and being like, hey, you know, I'm seeing this, I'm seeing this, is this, is this your experience, right? So kind of calling people out on, on, their blocks is a really helpful part of moving through the process. And I will say that comes with time, that comes with confidence, that comes with working with a lot of people and seeing similar patterns. Um, And, you know, that's, that's the journey, right? Like you will feel um, more and more confident asking people, uh, the harder questions as you go along and also vetting people when you're kind of doing an intro interview to see if you think you're going to be the best fit for them, because there's other coaches that may be a better fit and that's okay to refer someone out. Right. Right. And I love that you, you know, kind of shared about, you know, asking someone or calling them out because not like being like, okay, you're doing this, but more so like, Hey, are you like here? Like, do you want to be here? Because I think a lot of times there's just, we don't recognize that someone's going through something and it might not just be so black and white. Like they're not just, you know, they can't commit. 
because they just don't want to. It's they have something else going on and enable to like be able to connect to that person. I think it's important to just, you know, kind of take a step back and be like, is everything like, how are you doing? And like ask someone about themselves. So I love Yeah. And also, um, you know, I, I see this a lot in the health coaching industry, at least with clients that I worked with at some clients that I've worked with at some point is oftentimes people who have, um, other issues like alcoholism or, um, some sort of addiction will come looking for a health coach when in reality they actually need an addiction specialist. Mm -hmm. And so knowing that sometimes you won't have the tools to help someone and, um, you know, really just being okay with like, Hey, I don't know if I can help you as well as someone else could like, that's okay to say too. Right. Um, and that may not come out for five sessions and, um, you know, you may have to reroute or like refer out and, and knowing your scope as a health coach, I think is a really important part of, um, facilitating as well. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I think it's, you know, another play on boundaries too. I have a friend that's a health coach and she's been working with someone consistently for a little bit of time now. And it just, for her, didn't feel like things were really progressing. And it it got to the point where she was kind of like, I, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm giving you what you need. And this is just taking my energy and I I don't want to, it's not helping us. And I think that was like a boundary that she also had to set for herself because she felt like she was exerting a ton of energy. Um, and I mean, I think that's really hard in business to just accept that like boundaries are a huge part of that too. Yeah. And you know, also people are going to project on you as well. Right. So people are going to tell you you're so amazing and they were the best thing that ever happened to you and you've helped them so much. And that's, that's a projection, right? Like they're doing their own work. And yet on the other side, people are going to be like, you know, like, I don't think you're, I don't think I'm learning anything. And, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the negative will, will come out at some point or I'm not progressing or whatever it is. And you have to be okay with letting the good stuff go and then letting the bad stuff go and not taking anything personally. Um, because oftentimes what people are, are telling you is a reflection of their inner world. Huh. That's so interesting. I've never really thought about it. I've never thought about it in terms like that. So I love that. It's a really beautiful perspective. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's just something that I've seen over time and, and it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. And it's hard not to take things, you know, this is, what it's hard to not take things personally, but I love that. I think that's a really great way of reframing. Okay. This isn't necessarily about me. This is about them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, usually people that are telling you you're amazing feel really good that day. And people that are telling you that they're really struggling and they don't feel like, you know, they're getting enough out of it. You know, they're probably not feeling too good that day. And, you know, so, um, yeah, it's just letting the good go, letting the bad go, not taking things personally, I think is so important. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Cami. This has been so amazing. And I'm so happy that you were able to come on and talk to us. Yeah, thank you so much, Katie. Um, yeah, do you I have hope- any- sorry, do you have anything else you want to like share? I didn't, I didn't know. Yeah, um, let's see, I am, I am launching my first group coaching 
um, container in the next couple of weeks. And that will be more information is at my, on my Instagram at the Canis shift. Um, you can also just type in Cami Wolf into Instagram and it'll, it shall pop up. Um, but we're going to be going through, it's essentially how it's going to be similar to how I work with people one-on-one, except it's going to be more accessible and it's going to be at a lower price point so that if you aren't ready to jump into the one-on-one container, the group coaching is a great place for you to start and would love to have anyone who may be interested to reach out and I can send them some more information. That's amazing. Thank you so much. And you, you mentioned you have a podcast. I do. I have a podcast called Triggered to Life. We talk to entrepreneurs and people in the wellness industry about the, you know, their, their triggered to life moment, their dark night of the soul, the moment that kind of shifted and changed things, um, forever. Right. So we kind of dig deep into people's stories of transformation and, um, yeah, it's a really, it's a really fun podcast. Triggered to life. That's amazing. I love that. That is a really cool idea. I, (laughs) wow. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Katie. And I will hopefully see you soon. Yes, I know. I'll I'll text you in a little bit. (laughs) Thanks so much. Tell your co-pilot I say hello. I will. She's going to be so bummed that she missed this, but um, you guys would like, literally you guys are like two peas in a pod. So (laughs) we'll have to bring you on another time. (laughs) Amazing. Have a great rest of your evening. Thank you. You too. Bye, Cammie.